0: Good morning, New Hope. Good morning. It is so good to see you. I am always delighted to see enthusiastic, smiling faces. You're looking good today. Some have got new haircuts. Woohoo! That's good. So guys, if, you, if you're here for the first time, I'll just start this part slowly, because I tend to get excited about the Word of God. And by the way, I personally think it's a sin to present the Word of God in a boring manner, because this is the greatest truth in the world. If I can't get excited about the Word of God, what can I get excited about, right? So just in case I go a bit too fast, Boyette and Evelyn, I have notes so you can kind of follow along if if I get a little bit ahead of myself, okay guys? And those of you who are visiting, I encourage you to take your notes out because God wants you and I to be doers of His Word, not just hearers. So at the beginning of 2019, I want to ask you a very personal question. Do you and you and you, who wants to make an impact with their life? A serious impact? Okay, I see most of your hands. That's great. So, if you want to make an impact with your life, and sometimes the problem is we think we are ordinary people. And in one sense, we are all gifted by God and we're all on the same playing field. But how do we make an impact with our lives? I'm going to give you the answer in two words by choosing well. Let me pick this up. I'm starting a new series today called Making an Impact with Our Life. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at some very interesting people who made good Choices and therefore made a direct impact for God with their lives. They did actually extraordinary things. And the goal of the series is to imagine, help you imagine what God could do in your life because he wants to work through your life. Do you know that? Hold on. Do you know that God actually wants to use you? And you, and you. He actually wants to use you as part of his plan, to utilize you in his overall plan. So, today I'm going to start off with a very famous man you may have heard of. His name is Mr. Moses. Why am I thinking of a movie right now? <laughs> I should not think about that movie. <laughs> Moses. He's a guy in the Old Testament who is one of the most famous guys in the Old Testament. He's the guy that went up Mount Soniai and got the what? The... What what did he get? The Ten Commandments, the law, absolutely. He was also, he led the children of Israel out of Egypt after, wait for this, 400 years of slavery. Now sometimes you can't wait to get out of your mate's party. You've been there half an hour too long they've been there 400 years too long and they are itching to get out of Dodge this Moses is the same guy that wrote the first five books of the New Old Testament and by the way just for your information this blew me away when I found this out girls 13 year olds (coughs) could recite the first five books of the Old Testament I'm going wow that's pretty impressive back in the day The first five books, recite them by rote. That's the guy that wrote them. And God used them to do a bunch of miracles. Now, question, why did God use Moses? Because Moses made a couple of very important choices. He settled four key issues. There's four of them. That every one of you in this room are going to have to deal with at one stage in your life. Four key choices. First of all, we're just going to quickly rip down them, and I'm going to drill into them in detail. First of all, he settled the, uh, the, the, the key and the issue of identity. Who actually am I? Who am I? You may want to write that in. It's dangerous to come to this church without a pen. <laughs> Who am I? The second issue he settled is the issue of responsibility, and that sounds like this to you and me today. What am I going to do with my life? I only have one, what are you going to do with your life? You only have one. The third thing he did was settle the issue of priority. And this is a really t- pivotal one, And this question is, what is the most important thing in my life? And then the fourthly. And it's a question you're going to have to settle to is what are you going to do with the issue of difficulty? And that comes down to what am I willing to commit when the pressure comes on? The issue of difficulty. Now Moses made the right choice in each instance. And today I want to give you the foundation I've built in my life been a builder. I've dug foundations. And the foundations are critical because if the foundations are not solid, whatever you build on that is ultimately flawed. So, four foundational principles to make a God-honoring impact with your life. If you want to do that, listen up carefully. And this is the foundation for everything I'm going to say in the next several weeks when we look at how to make a God-honoring impact with my one and only life. Number one is I need to discover what God made me to be. I need to discover that. Now Moses, he was born as a Hebrew slave, but he was raised as Pharaoh's daughter in Pharaoh's palace, which, by the way, was the most salubrious the most woohoo, 20 gazillion dollar place you could ever live in it was expensive it was decked out and there were pools and there was more food than you can poke a stick at <clears throat> now as moses matured though now listen to this as he matured he faced an identity crisis am i jewish or am I actually Egyptian? Am I a slave? Or am I really royalty? See, see the problem? Identity crisis. Now there were major downstream consequences of this decision that would affect the rest of Moses' life. If, for example, he chose to think, hmm, well, I am Pharaoh's grandson. That was true step-grandson, as it were, what would happen? Flow down. From that would naturally flow fame and fortune, a promising career. People will always be bowing at you all the time. And he'd be heir to the throne eventually. It will be a life of privilege if he chose that. On the other hand, if he chose to say, well, actually I'm a Jewish and I will identify with the Jewish slaves, then he would be rejected. He'd be humiliated. He'd live out his life as a slave and wandering around the desert like a tumbleweed for the rest of his life. Now, there is no doubt in my mind that Moses wrestled with the tension between masquerading as an Egyptian in a life that wasn't really his and what he was supposed to be doing or embracing his true identity as a Hebrew and a member of God's people. Now, by making the startling decision to be true to his outcast Hebrew heritage, that required faith. And turning his back on material wealth, on physical pleasures of Egypt, to align with his people. But Moses was a man of integrity, and he made his decision. Let's pick it up in verse 24. By faith. Do not forget that. By faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But Moses deployed his faith here. And says, when Moses here's a key phrase, had grown up. He matured. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Circle that word refused. It means to reject. It means to disown. It means to leave no door open. It's settled. I'm done. I'm done. That's what that means. So Moses insisted on being what God had made him to be. And no amount of peer pressure or trinkets could convince him otherwise, or toys. Now God made you for a purpose. And he has a purpose for your life which extends into eternity. And God wants you to be you. He wants you to be the disciple, which includes discipline. The word disciple and discipline are absolutely connected. You cannot disconnect those two words. Disciples of Jesus are disciplined. And he called you to be a disciple. So the first key to honoring God is to quit trying to be like the rest of the world that you are not. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, not the world. In fact, Jesus says in some ways, if you are friends with the world, you are enemies of mine. Whoa, that's a stark contrast. Because the reason why the world is chasing and has got its eyes on a whole bunch of different things than God's purpose for your life is. So, we need to quit that, and we need to, and that should relieve a lot of ulcers and bring a lot of peace. Quit trying to conform and look like everybody else, and talk like everybody else, and pursue and buy things that everybody else has. Don't let that peer pressure. Live your own life for an audience of one, and that will free you to be who God wants you to be. So, discover what God made you to be, be happy with that, and live the life He wants for me. Number two, second point on your outline. Accept responsibility for my life. Now that's a very countercultural statement today, because everybody else says ah oh, it's everybody else's fault. Why well, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't honor God. Stop making excuses and blaming other people. Well if only my wife would be more understanding. If only my husband would get more motivated spiritually. Friend, you need to take that initiative. Verse 25 elucidates this principle. He, Moses, chose. He, see, this is another choice. He chose. This is what I want to do. To be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. See, by being raised in the palace of opulence, of Egyptian royalty, Moses would have known nothing of the life of the Israelites in the ghettos of Goshen. He would have known nothing of that. Any whim. It's like that. Yeah, one of those cartoons. That I can see him now in the raccoon and one of those one of the, out of Africa. Those King Julian. He, he sort of lived that type of life. King Julian, uh, Not with the peasants, you know, type of style. So Having been raised that, he had to choose. Now, if you want, if you want to make an impact with your life, you have to choose God's plan over your plan. Now, here's a, a rude awakening. You and I are as close to God as we want to be. You choose. You read your Bible as much as you want to read it. You surrender your life to God as much as you want to. It is your choice and nobody else's. God has given you this freedom. Now I want you to notice something very interesting, and choices determine your future. Let me just write that down again, say it again. Choices will determine your future. Verse 24, we have Moses refusing. But in verse 25, we have Moses choosing. See, he refused. And then he chose. That's really good English, right? Good English? You like that? So he refused, and then he chose. Then he follows a negative section with a positive action. Then in verse 23, Moses, God chose Moses as a baby. Remember? God chose Moses as a baby. But in verse 25, we have Moses choosing God and his ways. Notice also, verse 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, when he had matured. Now, one of the marks of maturity, now this has nothing to do with age. Let me say that again. Nothing to do with age. Is you start accepting responsibility, I know somebody who's 60 and is still blaming other people for the things going on in his life. When you stop blaming other people for why you can't make an impact with your life, that's what it's getting after. Now as a baby, it was okay for Moses to live off his parents' faith. But when he had grown up, he had to make that decision for himself. He had to go God's way because he wanted to go God's way. Now there are two facts of life here, two axioms. I want to impress on you today. Number one is I cannot live off other people's spiritual commitment. I cannot do that. You've heard, I've heard some people say, well, my parents are Christians, or my wife's a Christian, or my dad's a pastor. So what? That's not your choice. That's their choice. What about you? What about your time in the Word of God? That's your choice. Nothing to do with your wife. See, you need a personal relationship with God through Jesus. That's how you get the relationship with God, through Jesus. He makes us acceptable to God. Now, some of you teenagers, it's time to make your own grown-up decision where you choose what you want to do. Not because mom and dad say so, but because you actually want to do this. You need to start living out your own faith. So when Moses grew up, he chose. That's a very important choice. The second axiom I want to just underline is I can't blame other people for the direction of my life. I cannot blame other people. Society says the exact opposite. Oh, you poor thing. It's not your fault. You're a product of your environment and you blame other people for your messed up life. Remember how you spell blame. Be lame. Every time you blame people, you are being lame. (laughs) Friends, this is the truth. Life can be hard. Life can be hard. Jesus said that. He said, look, whilst you're on earth, you will have trouble. But, that's the bad news. Here's the good news. Uh But be of good cheer. Put a smile on your dial. For I have overcome the world. So get over that. It's okay. It's only for a little while. We've got millions of years, trillions of years to enjoy it with Jesus. Don't get all down in the dumps about the here and now. Live with your eyes on the future. Now, you can't control all the circumstances in your life. In fact, here's the secret. The older I've got, the more I realize there's very little I can actually control. But one thing I am free to choose is my response to those circumstances. I'm totally free. I can be bummed out, mm, 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 have a grouchy mood, or I can choose the positive aspect. I have a choice. You have a choice. I have a choice when I'm fighting with my wife. And so do you. Who's going to speak first? You or her? Don't laugh. You wait. (laughs) Yeah, 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 right. You know what it's like. You have a choice. So, One more thing I will say to you one more time, young people especially. You will not be able to control the circumstances that come into your life, but you are totally free to choose your response to those circumstances. Get it? Great, let's move on. Number three. The third essential to making an impact for God in your life is to adopt God's value system. God's. Now, if you're going to make a god honor impact, you need to settle the issue of what is really important. I mean, really important. Now, Moses clarified his values and priorities, and it is a super important thing to do. By the way, I don't know why I'm going back over here again. You're when you get married or you find somebody that you think you'd like to marry... You need to make sure that your priorities and their priorities are going in the same direction. Because here's how this works. Vision is where you're going. If you have two visions, the, the Greek word for two is die. Two visions, you get division. You need to make sure you can walk together. So spend some time checking out what they think is important and a priority before you hit your wagon to theirs. And all those who were married said? Right. See that? (laughs) Look at this. Moses clarified his values and his priorities. Verse 26. There it is on your outline up here. He regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. That was the oomph. Gave him the chutzpah to get going forward. Now, circle regarded, that means to evaluate, to consider, to weigh, which is is more weighty, and to judge. Now, this, friend, was no mere youthful whim, whipped up by a wave of emotion. This was a deliberate act of faithfulness inspired by a very deep trust in the character and the promises of God. So... You need to sit down and seriously consider what in the world am I living for? What is that? What am I living for? That's a good question. What are you living for? Moses was willing to make sacrifices now for greater rewards later. Are you? By faith, Moses refused to go with the flow of a sinful society who were frivolously and blithely unaware of the direction of their lives. Here's a quick pop test. If you were to ever, I was to ask you to write down your top five priorities on which you are building your life, would you be able to do that? Think it through. The Bible always encourages you to think. Now, it says that Moses regarded what was important and what was not important. Most people have never done that. Just stuff gets fired at them and they feel like they're dancing as the bullets are firing around their feet. They don't know why they're here. They have no idea what they want to accomplish with this one life that God gave them. And what God says is it is really important that you think soberly about this. You need to clarify the values in your life that you'll build your life on, the things that will be most important. And what I found helpful is write them down. Write them down. God's a great one for writing. If you read the Old Testament, you'll often read... And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah on the third day of the second month on the 17th hour, whatever it was, whilst I was sitting under a juniper tree and I wrote. It's interesting. When God speaks to you, write it down so you can run after it hard. Why write them down? The fact is if you don't decide what's valuable in your life, The world is more than happy to try and seduce you and bring you into its mold and promote its value system on you. And we have a lot of Christians today who say they know the Lord, but they've brought lock, stock, and smoke and barrel into the world's values. And they're living without even thinking about the consequences of what they're doing. They've almost automatically adopted it because the media and social media have washed over them. Question. All right, I love specifics. What are the world's value systems? Number one, popularity. I want to be accepted and I want to be liked. The world values that, man. Second, pleasure. I want to feel good. I want to be happy. I want to have fun. And anything that would threaten that gets an automatic no. The world values, number three, possessions. I want to make a fortune. I want to have the toys. I want to be wealthy. That's what the world values. And all temptations actually fall into one of these three categories. Now, what is ironic, I find, as we study this verse in the Word of God, is that Moses, by the world standards, had all three He had it in the bag. He had popularity. He was heir to the the throne. Any time he drove through town on his gold chariot, people would bow down to him. On one of the most powerful countries on the earth, he had that, number one. Second, number two, pleasures. He had every whim satisfied. He would be satisfied in the palace. Oh, I'd like some Pavalo, please. Yes, sir. And then it comes with fresh cream and strawberries. Whatever it would be. It was easy street. He had that, the pleasures. The third thing, oh my goodness, he had the possessions. He had the wealth of Egypt at his fingertips. He lacked nothing. Now, notice this. Moses had all three. He had the popularity, he had the pleasure, possessions. But, and this is a very big but, he walked away from the lot. That's unusual, wouldn't you say? Moses walked away from the very three things that we spend our lives pursuing and trying to accomplish. Why? Because he knew they would not last. The world's values, friends, do not last. And Moses said yes to God. And when you say yes to God, you are saying no to the world's values. Let me put it in a very practical way. When you keep saying yes to work, Nothing wrong with work, but it needs to be bounded. When you keep saying yes to work, you're saying no to other relationships, like your family. So when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to another. Remember that. And when you say yes to the world, you're saying no to God. When you say yes to God, you're saying no to the world. Now, the conflict happens in our lives when we want Christ's plans and... Plus, all the things the world has to offer. Friends, that equation is not solvable. This is when conflict happens. You know, I'll have Jesus, uh, I'll, sorry, I'll have all the things in the world and I'll just tack Jesus on. And maybe I'll, I'll reserve a little time for God on Sunday mornings. Actually, here's the truth Jesus said, You cannot serve two masters, one's gonna take priority. You choose, you're free to choose. Every one of us in this room are free to choose. A or B, God or the world. You choose. But don't blame anybody else for your choice. That's your choice. It's my choice. Now what you lose when you don't say no is your happiness because you compromise and you'll feel miserable and that your your life isn't going anywhere. You cannot do both. You can't be done. You need to learn how to say no with conviction. Saying no, saying, I'm not going to be sucked up into this world's value system, into the rat race, into the hollow lifestyle that says all life consists of is popularity and pleasure and possessions and prestige, by the way. That's another P. Okay. While well, everyone around me is spending their lives buying into it. I am not doing that. I'm going to have a simple life. Now that's the kind of person Moses was and why he was able to make an impact, because he made the tough choices. Sometimes some of your confusion is simply a hard choice in disguise waiting to be made. So alternatively, so he refused those things. What was Moses' value thing? Uh, What did he value instead of those things? Three things instead of it. Number one, he discovered that God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. That's what he discovered. That God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. And boy, that is the truth. You've heard of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, which, by the way, is a flat-out lie. The other gospel that's out there today, small g, is a gospel of popularity. That's where everything's driven by friends and acceptance. That's not what it's about. Some of you in this church, for the first time, may be a bit shocked at how clear we are and how we stand for the right things. We're not about being politically correct here. We're about being biblically correct. So, God had a plan for Moses. And he said, if I'm going to lead these people to freedom, I need to be refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm going to give up the popularity and pleasures and the position because they don't last. Now, I own this one because in my life, I know what that feels like. I've had a couple of successful business ventures in my life, In one of them I was one of the top two sales earners for five years in an international IT company. The MD used to come and visit me, sometimes weekly, to understand how the pipelines come in and how much money we're going to be bringing for the company. I had a lot of friends and I was popular because of what I did for my company. When I came back, after a while I left that company, I came back seven years later, and I walked into the exact same company. And what I noticed is many people had moved on, and few knew me as I was then. Here's my point. One minute, you're a hero, and the next minute, you're a zero, okay? People couldn't care less. They're gone, who cares? Position and prestige are fleeting, friends. So what, you win top sales awards year after year? In fact, it just threw all those certificates out and all those plaques. They mean nothing. Who cares? The next year's superstars, or this year's superstars in 2019 will be next year's has-beens. Gone. It's fleeting. It doesn't last. Moses wasn't impressed by popularity. You know what that feels like when somebody likes you on Facebook? Some of you are hooked on that. Number two, he also realized that people are more important than pleasures, more valuable than pleasures. In verse 25 it says this, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, they were in slavery at that time, rather than enjoying the pleasures of sin for a short time. Now the Bible always tells the truth. There is a kick from sin for a while, but then there's a kick back. Ouch, that hurt. It doesn't last, though, and there are consequences. He could have had temporary pleasure being the next pharaoh or do what God called him to and help the people who were in pain and needed to be set free. He could have stayed there in the pleasure, and today he'd be some stuffed mummy in Egypt, and we wouldn't even know who he was. <laughs> but he chose the right thing. Remember, any whim could have been satisfied, but in order to do the right thing, he chose discomfort over pleasure. Now that is an unheard of value in today's society. And the problem is with many of us, we want to serve God, but we only want to serve him when it's convenient and it's minimal interference with my life or cost. How many people today all over this country here of beautiful New Zealand stay home from church when it rains or come only when it's convenient to them. Now that, friendly friends, is a very minor inconvenience compared to the fact that in some countries, like in North Korea, like in China, you can be arrested for going to church, put in jail, lose your job, and in some countries, killed. There were more Christian martyrs last year than there's been ever before. So we have such a convenient Christianity. To me, it's sometimes too easy. So Moses said God's purposes are more valuable than popularity and uh, position. And then God's people are more valuable than pleasures. And thirdly, God's peace is more valuable than the possessions. Verse 26, he regarded the disgrace. Um, for the sake of Christ is greater value than the treasures of Egypt. So in verse 24, he rejects the world's measure of success. In verse 25, he rejects the world's pleasure. And in verse 26, he, wills, he, rejo- he rejects the world's treasure. So measure, pleasure, and treasure. And those are the big three. What he does here, he goes after God's peace because he realizes it's more important than possessions. Peace comes not from the things that you own, but it comes from being in the center of God's will. That's where it comes from. However, most Kiwis have got bought into the myth that you can purchase happiness. It's a Kiwi, right? Right? You know, if I just get this Christmas present, I'll be happy. Well, my question to you is, will you still be happy and thrilled in March? Or has the elation kind of worn off? Now, look what Jesus said. This is the master, the author Of life and the sustainer of the universe he said I built this place I made you get this Luke 12 not new outline on the screen then he said to them watch out now when if I say to my kids I go mass watch out he'll jump back watch out watch out be on your guard okay on your guard or be on your guard Against all kinds of greed, it's dangerous. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That is the truth. He who dies with the most toys is a lie. That is the truth. My value has absolutely nothing to do with the car that I drive. I've just upgraded from a 1993 car to a 2002 car. My value has got nothing to do with that. My self worth and my net worth are two totally different things. Sure, I could afford a more expensive car, but that is not of a value to me. And that's what we're talking about here. Question This is where it gets ouchy, ouchy. What do you value? What matters most to you? It's amazing to me that Moses gave up the very three things we spend our lives trying to get. Popularity, pleasure, possessions. What motivated this guy? What made him do it? Verse 26, because he was looking ahead to his reward. That's what kept him motivated. He had perspective. And what motivates you to reject the world's values and accept God's value? It's your perspective. Now, are you looking at the here and now, or are you looking towards eternity? Where are your eyes fixed this morning? Because most people spend their lives living for the here and now, totally unaware of the fact that they're going to spend way more of their time in eternity than the 70 or 80 or perhaps 90 years by God's grace you live on with. That, friend, is not wise Moses considered that God's heavenly reward that was coming to him to be of greater value than even the vast wealth of Egypt. And I would suggest to you that's probably more than anyone us in this room collectively or perhaps even in this country have. Friends, your values determine your vision. What are you focusing on? What are you looking at? What is the most important thing to you? Things that are going to last or things that eventually you're going to leave terra firma with completely. Moses was a man of vision and had his eyes of faith firmly fixed on the goal. So by faith, Moses was willing to swallow his pride and do the unusual. Faith involves risk. Lastly, last point, how do you make a God-honoring impact with your life You never take your eyes off the eternal reward. Never. That's how you do it. You keep your eyes glued. Verse 27. By faith, he left Egypt, fearing, not fearing, the king's anger. Because, man, that king was going to be ticked. And he had a lot of power, if you remember, to get after him. Whole armies. Huh? That's a lot of people. That could give you some angst. Not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Circle persevered. Moses, I love this. One of the things, parents, we need to encourage in our children, and you young people, when you have children, is perseverance. Hanging in when the going gets tough, when you tuck it out, when you want to let go. No, no. He refused to give up no matter what happened. Now you, now think about this. He had impossible situations. He had the whole Egyptian army up his blessed assurance and there was a river in front of him. That's a tight spot to be. You're going to die. And those days it wasn't a clean bullet through the head. It was messy and bloody. This is a serious issue with a million people, including children. This is in deep kimchi. You are in trouble. So he had some heat on him. He refused to give up in impossible situations. When he had critics, when they were whining against Moses and God said, get out of the way, Moses, I'm going to blast a lot of them. And Moses, whoa, (laughs) what will this surrender? You know what this is. I just said, help yourself. (laughs) A bunch of grumblers. You wait till you have people grumble and grumble and grumble and grumble. After a while, you kind of get, Right? Difficult situation and disappointments. He persevered. When his own sister and brother blew it. And then she should have known better than that. He persevered. Moses spent most of his life, this may surprise you, waiting. Waiting. How long could you wait? From the time God gave Moses the vision and the dream of setting an entire nation free after 400 years of slavery to the time it was filled, to go into the Promised Land, it took exactly 80 years. 40 years of that was chasing some sheep around the backside of the Midianite Desert, where he was anything but the prime of popularity, he was in the back of the boonies. So he spent 40 years a million just for God to say, start. Question, do you ever get tired of waiting on God to take the next move? Do delays and discouragement and disappointment depress you? Ever tempted to give up? If you are, I want you to remember this differentiation. You need to learn the difference between no and not yet. Moses had begun, Are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready? And God's saying, No. Year number one. Number two, We've got to get to 40 yet. He could wait, he persevered. One of the tests of your life will be how long you can wait. You must keep the eyes and the vision so you don't get discouraged. Now, obstacles, friends, are what you see when you take the eyes off the goal. What are you looking at? Obst- obstacles or opportunities? And the problem is when we focus on the obstacles. It's all a matter of vision. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders s- uh, us and sin, which so easily entangles you. Look, if you're trying to run, if you've ever had one of those dreams where you're running away from something and something, something's tangling you up, you can't get away, that's what it's talking about. Get rid of that stuff so you can run well. And let us run with perseverance. The race that's marked out for us. That's not for the world, that's for you. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So, underline, let us run with perseverance and let us fix our eyes on Jesus. These two go together. That's where you get the person. Take your eyes off Jesus, you're going to be like Peter in the water. Oh, I'd like to walk on that Lord. You took your eyes off me perseverance comes keeping your eyes on him. I'll tell you this, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll make it to the end of the race. If you take him off, no guarantee. So what are you going to do as we wrap this up with the days that God has gifted you as a gift on earth? the rest of your days. None of us know how many we've got. It could be five days or five hours, five months or 50 years. But how long? None of us know. Our time on earth is a testing ground, a proving time, and God is watching. And my question to you is very simple. Why would you sell out millions and millions of years for a few things here and now, in the world's value system, which is all going to be destroyed anyway, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Have you settled the issue of priority in your life and what really matters? The most important thing is your relationship to God. If you have never established a relationship to God, do that today. Why wait? I don't understand why people will put off the most important thing in their life to say yes to Jesus Christ and to God. Why wouldn't you say, God, you made me for a purpose. I want to start living for that purpose today. And to the best of my knowledge, I want to accept you, accept your forgiveness for my sins, accept your values, not the world's values. And by the way, let me be real clear. If that's you, it will cost you. It will cost you. It costs to be a Christian. And that's good. I'm happy to trade. Oh, anytime. I'm taking that anytime. That's why the man went out and sold all he had to buy the field with the pearl of great price. It's free for us, but it costs Jesus everything. And it will cost you in your life. When you become a Christian, you give up everything else, and then you've never had it so good. And all of a sudden you say, this is why i made, this is why I'm here. This is what counts. Not trinkets and phones and stuff. These are the values that will last. Let's pray. Friend, today, as we've looked at God's word and the example of Moses, I ask you again, would you like to make your life count? And if you're saying yes inside, you're saying, I want to make my life count. Well, take these steps. First, say, just in your mind, you can just say, Jesus Christ, I want to give you all of my life. And as much as I know how, I don't understand it at all, but as much as I know, I give you my life. Say yes to Jesus Christ today. Say, Lord, help me to discover who you really want me to be. And how do you want me to use this life? If I may be so bold, some of you are in the wrong jobs. Some of you are pursuing things that ultimately will never, ever bring you satisfaction. Some of you, maybe God has been and is calling you into full-time Christian ministry. And you've thought about that, but you put it off. Friends, he chose you, but you will need to choose him and his will for your life. Would you say, Lord, help me to accept responsibility for my own life. I'm not going to blame others for my lack of progress. Would you say, help me to establish a value system for my life, Of the things that really count to you. Teach me, Lord, what's important to you to think through it so I'm not sucked into the world system that's so blatantly everywhere I look and listen. Help me, Lord, never to take my eyes off the goal. Would you say yes to Jesus today? Father God, Thank you for your word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. And Holy Spirit, you have a way of exposing areas in our lives that need to be realigned according to your word and your will. Thank you deeply for the joy that we have when we live your way. And thank you for the peace and the happiness and the satisfaction and the fulfillment that comes into our lives when we get in line with you. In your precious and powerful name and all of God's people said, Amen.